0: Welcome back to The Durst Show. Today we're going to talk about censorship. Again, it's such an important issue. We're going to talk about what a company like Netflix or a company like Spotify should do when they have on the air deeply, deeply offensive material. Now, fair warning, I am suing Netflix. We're involved in litigation, so bear that in mind. Nothing to do with this case at all. I want to first talk about this guy, uh, Jimmy uh, Carr, who um, made this unbelievably outrageous statement about uh, Romani people. I, I hate to put it on my show, but in order to intellectually think about it and discuss it, we have to put it on. So I want you to listen to to what he said, please don't laugh. You'll hear people laughing hysterically. Please understand how horrible this is and don't laugh. But, uh, but listen to his words and then we'll talk about it. talk about the Holocaust, they talk about the tragedy and horror of six million Jewish lives being lost to the Nazi war machine. But they never mention the thousands of gypsies that were killed by the Nazis. No one ever wants to talk about that because no one ever wants to talk about the positives. I think that's about the second most horrible thing I've ever heard on a broadcast, what this guy said, laughing, mocking the death of hundreds of thousands of Romani children, uh, mothers, grandmothers, uh, a genocide against the Romani people along with the genocide against the, the, the Jewish people. It was the second worst thing I heard. The first worst thing I heard was the laughter of laughter that accompanied and followed this joke, sustained deep laughter with some whistling, people signaling approval. Oh, it's a joke, it's a joke. No, it's not a joke. It was a statement essentially saying it was a positive thing to murder so many people. Now, this guy's known for his outrageous and his uh, cutting-edge humor. This was not uh, humorous. This was beyond anything uh, acceptable. But do I believe in censoring it? Uh, Just um, today, the House of Commons and the Prime Minister and the Secretary of whatever in England uh, came out and condemned it and said, we need new laws. We need new laws regulating what can be on British television, social media, other media, I'm not in favor of of new laws. Uh, But the question remains, what do I think? What do I think Netflix should have done? Or what do I think Spotify should do about Joe Rogan and his repeated use of horrible words and racist words and and degrading and demeaning words about about African-American people? Uh, or what do I think Georgetown University should do about a professor who may have used a couple of inappropriate words in trying to get a debate going about whether the president was right in limiting his choice of nominees for the Supreme Court only to African American women. It, it essentially, all three of these raise in some respects the same issue, and, and the issue is this. If you have organizations like Rumble where I am on today, which I love, um, that doesn't censor. Uh, that allows anything essentially to go on. It doesn't allow people's offensiveness to in any way dictate what's on. I have a very different view. If Rumble had had this statement by Jimmy Carr, or the statements by Joe Rogan or any other kinds of, of, of statements, statements by the woman it, Georgetown Law School, that male senators should be murdered if they supported that serial rapist, Kavanaugh, and after they're murdered, they should be castrated and their testicles served to swine. Yeah, you want to put that on, put that on if you censor nothing. But that's not what Netflix does. And that's not what Spotify does. And that's not what Georgetown Law School does. All three of those institutions, and most others, censor they censor. They don't allow certain things on. Uh, Netflix has standards. Uh, Spotify has standards. Presumably. Presumably Georgetown has standards. And the question is, once you censor some things and then don't censor something else, aren't you showing implicitly approval of what you don't censor? That is if it would be so offensive to have made the statements Jimmy Carr made, say, about African-American people or about gay people or about women or about Jewish people, Netflix wouldn't have allowed that. If that's too offensive, why isn't it too offensive to say the same thing about Ramoni people? How can you allow censorship of some things which show disapproval and at the same time don't allow censorship of equally or worse things, suggesting approval. That I think is the problem. In a in a nutshell, uh, Netflix does censor. It picks and chooses. It decides what is going to put on the air. Remember, this was not a live performance that Netflix put on. You can't say as you can say sometimes with uh, Twitter and other things. Oh my God, you know we couldn't stop it. It was put on. It was only later. Netflix made a decision to include in their airing of programs several weeks after it was actually recorded live this so-called joke and the laughter that accompanied it. They didn't use it as an educational moment. They didn't say, oh, by the way, this is a terrible, terrible joke. We're going to put it on just to show that people haven't been as concerned about the murder of the Romani people. No, they just allowed it to go as part of humor, and they wouldn't have allowed it to go as part of humor if it was directed against uh, other people. Uh, and, And so what Netflix basically did was to say, we don't think that's so bad. It didn't come within our normal standards of censoring. We censor, we censor, we pick and choose. We're not complying with the First Amendment here. We're a private company. We pick and choose, and we picked certain things to be allowed to be shown, like that, but we don't allow other things to be shown. They're answerable for that. They're answerable for that. The same thing is true with, with Spotify. Uh, if Spotify didn't censor at all and allowed everything to go up, then you would say, you know, it's a street corner. It's the... It's uh, the open marketplace of ideas. If you don't like it, walk out, boo. Do whatever you want, but we're not gonna stop you from saying what you wanna say, because we stop nothing. That's one approach. I call it the taxi cab approach. And that is when you hail a taxi cab in many cities, New York, I know, the taxi can't refuse to take you places. Uh, If you say, look, I'm going to vote and I'm gonna vote for Donald Trump, cab driver can't say, I'm not taking you to vote for Donald Trump. Forget about it. No, 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 get another cab. They can't do that. A cab driver is a common carrier. Basically, has to take you wherever you want to go. You can have that approach uh, in which you basically say, we are like the telegraph company. We're just the mail. We don't look what's in the mail. We don't look what's in the telegraph. We're, anything you want to send, you can send. Anything you want to say, you can say. That's one approach, the taxi cab approach. The other approach, it's the only other approach, really, is selective censorship, picking and and choosing. Let, Let me tell you a story from my own life that I think illustrates this very well. I was in Madrid 25 years ago, maybe more. I was a delegate to the Helsinki Human Rights Conference, in which we were discussing human rights, people from the Soviet Union were there, people from... Eastern Europe were there, people from Africa, all countries were represented, and I was there on behalf of the United States, and my friend Erwin Kotler was there on behalf of Canada, and I was invited to have a discussion, a debate, really, with a lawyer like myself in the Soviet Union. And the issue was anti-Semitism. I was a good person to argue against anti-Semitism. I've devoted my life to fighting against Bigotry, and and so I presented my argument saying that the Soviet Union uh, was encouraging anti-Semitism, and I showed various brochures that have been published in the Soviet Union um, in which Jews were uh, uh, insulted, attacked, Judaism was attacked, um, Israel uh, was attacked um, uh, as the nation-state of the Jewish people, and I said, this is, this is just terrible. It's not consistent with what Karl Marx or Lenin might have wanted. I'm not sure uh, whether that's true or not. But uh, but I said, this is terrible. The Soviet lawyer was very smart. He said, Professor Dershowitz, it's interesting. But let me show you what's published in America. And then he took out pamphlets that were published by the American Nazi Party in America. And I had to concede They were worse. The material published by the Nazi Party in America was worse than the horrible anti-Semitic stuff that was published in the Soviet Union. And I smiled and I said, but there's a difference. What's the difference? I said, look at the bottom of what was circulated in the Soviet Union. I showed it to him and I marked it in red. And it said, approved by Glovlet. What's Glovelet? Glovelet is the Soviet censorship agency. In other words, the anti-Semitic material that was being disseminated in the Soviet Union had the explicit approval of the Soviet Union. Why? Because in the Soviet Union, nothing was published unless it was approved by Glovlet, unless it was approved by the government. Hence the term samizdat, self-published, to avoid and evade, the problem of governmental uh, censorship. Then I showed him the much worse American stuff and it also had something on the bottom, but what it said was distributed by the American Nazi party, distributed by the Ku Klux Klan. No government approval, no government approval. The government didn't approve what was circulated in the United States because the government plays no role in deciding what can be read and said in the United States of America, whereas the Soviet Union picked and chose what could be said, and it concluded that anti-Semitic material can be circulated. Anti-Soviet material couldn't be circulated. Anti-Socialist material couldn't be circulated, but anti-Semitic material could be circulated, and that was the difference. The difference is the United States, under the First Amendment, when the government allows something to be published, it doesn't put the imprimatur of government on it. The imprimatur is the imprimatur of the Nazi party and the Ku Klux Klan. Who gives them any credibility? Whereas if you're a Soviet citizen and you read one of these anti-Semitic pamphlets and it says approved, approved by Glovelet, approved by the Soviet, ah, there must be something to it. It must be true. Writ large, that's the problem. Writ small that we have with organizations like Spotify and uh, Netflix. Netflix is Glovelet, it approves. Anything that's on Netflix has a stamp of approval, approved by Netflix because it doesn't approve everything. It disapproves certain things, but if it approves this, it must think it's correct. The same thing is true with Spotify. It makes decisions. It took down some of Joe Rogan's stuff, some of the really bad stuff in the past where he used the terrible words, and, and it didn't take down other stuff. And the same thing is true of Georgetown University. If Georgetown University said, look, everything goes, that that that's that's fine, then you know let let Ilya Shapiro make his statement, let that woman who talked about castrating senators and feeding their testicles to the swine. Let them make their statement. That's not what's going on. Georgetown University suspended Ilya Shapiro, and as far as I know, didn't suspend the teacher who talked about killing and castrating male senators who voted for this serial rapist who's now sitting on the Supreme Court. So what's the message that Georgetown is sending to its students, to its alumni, to you and to me? The message is, we approve of what that woman said. We think she was defending her right of free speech. They don't say that. But if they don't suspend her and do suspend Ilya Shapiro, that's the message that's being sent. It's a message of disapproval of some things and approval of other things. And that, in a nutshell is the problem of selective censorship it's a problem that's broader much broader than Netflix and Spotify and Georgetown University it runs through all of the social media Facebook now has a supreme court of censorship they actually have a supreme court they have professors and others from all over the country distinguished people many of them people I know people i work with they decide what meets the standards and doesn't meet the standards. What a terrible mistake that is. Because it means that anything that isn't censored has gotten the approval of the Supreme Court. Now they're going to say, we don't approve it, we just don't think it's sufficiently offensive. But that's not the way it's going to be misunderstood. It's going to be misunderstood. That's not the way it's going to be understood. And, you know, when when, when you approve something and disapprove Something else, that's that's picking and choosing. That's your right. You have a right to do that, but you are stuck with your decisions. That means that you can be criticized for allowing um, this guy to tell that joke on Netflix if you wouldn't have allowed somebody to tell a comparable joke about African Americans. So you can justify it. You can say there's a big difference. African Americans have been discriminated against for so long, slavery, etc. Romani people, uh, it's not so not so bad. No, they would never say that. Because the Romani people have been subjected to horrible, 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 horrible discrimination and genocide. And did you see how his audience laughed? As soon as he said, I'm gonna talk about the Holocaust, they laughed hysterically. Then when he gave the punchline, heck of a punchline. You know, basically approving, saying it was a good thing that hundreds of thousands of Romani people were killed. Oh, we meant it as a joke, but he said it's a good thing. It's a positive. The laughter was sustained for a long, long period of time with whistling. What does it say about people? It it doesn't say that people will laugh at anything, because if the same audience heard a terrible joke that ended with. A word that I won't allow on my show involving African American people, they wouldn't have laughed at that. Um, they, they wouldn't have laughed at jokes involving some other groups of people, but they did laugh at a so called joke glorifying the murder of hundreds of thousands of Romani people. So, so what's the solution? What's the answer? Uh, you know, it's, it's a hard problem, and it's only getting worse. It's only getting worse, it's not gonna be any better uh, because we see social media expanding. Uh, It's the way in which people get their information. Today, people don't get their information from uh, the New York Times as I did when I was a kid. Uh, They don't get their information from Walter Cronkite who people believed. They get their information from Facebook and Twitter and Spotify and uh, to some degree from, uh, from Netflix and um, and 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 when these people are the guardians, uh, when they're the platonic guardians that decide what we can see and hear and what we can't see and can't hear, it creates a problem of accountability. It creates a problem of who decides. It creates a problem of how can you object to something if you're not exposed to it. A lot of the stuff that's being censored today by the social media, we never get to hear, we never get to see it. We only got to see this anti-Romani joke because it was said. And in some respects, I think you can make the argument, it's far better to let everything out. Let everything out. Let us know that people are still laughing at the murder of Romani people. It's important to know that because Maybe we can use it as an educational moment. Maybe Netflix should put on an hour-long show about the genocide of the Romani people. That's a better way of having a reparation than what some people at Georgetown said, hey, you allowed Professor Shapiro to insult us, serve us free meals, get free lunch, free dinner. Ah, it's nonsense. No, use it as an educational moment. Netflix put on an hour-long show explaining in detail what happened to the Romani people, then show that joke. And let's see if people still laugh after they see babies being tortured and murdered, mothers and children being separated from each other. Let's see if they still laugh. If they do, that really tells us something about who our people are. Now, you know, people who go to comedy shows, they expect to be treated uh, in, in a humorous way And when they go to this guy's show, they know it's cutting edge humor and therefore I'm not prepared to censor it. I live in a world where if they don't tell the joke out on um, on Netflix, they're going to tell it in a bar. They're going to tell it among friends. I'd rather have those jokes told publicly so we can condemn them and we can teach people and we can make the point that we still haven't learned the lesson of never again. Um, Look, you go to a bar today, I don't go to bars, but you go to bars today, uh, you go to pubs in England, I'm sure you hear some of the most outrageous, racist, sexist, homophobic, anti-Semitic jokes. It's what people do, they tell those kinds of jokes. You may say there's a big difference between telling them at a bar where six people are laughing and... um, over a million people apparently watched the Netflix special with uh, with this guy, uh, Jimmy Carr. And and how many of them laughed? How many of them objected? I don't know. Uh, that's the marketplace of ideas. Nobody ever said that free speech is free. Uh, the First Amendment, uh, England, of course, doesn't have a, a written a constitution. Um, uh, they have obviously, a tradition of free speech as well as we do, but it's a constrained tradition, and there are now efforts to try to get some legislation passed. I would oppose that legislation. Um, What I would favor instead would be uh, having some networks that uh, don't censor at all, and that's what Rumble is so good for. Um, Oh, of course, it has its own standards. It's not going to allow child pornography. It's not going to allow uh, direct incitement of violence or giving the name of uh, spies who are in the field. There's no such thing as absolute protection of freedom of speech uh, in relation to all speech. But it won't censor on the basis of offensiveness. And and I think now the challenge to Netflix is it has to pick and choose. Either it has to say the rule is Jimmy Carr Jimmy Carr goes, anybody goes, offensiveness is not a criteria for censorship. If it's funny, we'll have it. This wasn't funny, but people laughed at it. But nonetheless, that's one approach. The other approach is to say, no, there are certain things that are beyond acceptability and we're going to have a Supreme Court or a group of people or whatever making selective decisions. And so next time, we'll decide Jimmy Carr can't make that joke. Uh, If he presents a program that has that joke, either we won't put the whole program on the air, or we will require him to remove that joke. He could say, no, I'm not going to remove the joke, in which case he's not on the air. So that's one option. And the other option is no censorship at all, based on offensiveness. We need what I call ism equity. You can't have a situation, and Georgetown Law School is the worst example I've recently seen of that, where they selectively censor somebody who is politically incorrect in the mind of the dean, many of the faculty, and many of the students because he complained, and maybe used inappropriate language in complaining, about the president limiting his selections only to an African-American woman. We don't like that, so we're gonna stop that. But we don't care if a woman says that uh, the justice of the Supreme Court, who we don't like, who's a Trump appointee, who's a right-winger, we don't care if they call him a serial rapist. Uh, And we don't care if a woman on the faculty tries to educate her students by telling them that it's okay to advocate the murder of senators and their castration and feeding of their testicles to swine, We don't care about that. Say it. Say you don't care about that, or you don't care about that less than you don't care about what Ilya Shapiro said. What, What the situation is now is confusing. Does Georgetown have standards? If it does... How does it not apply them to the woman, professor? If they don't have standards, how dare they apply them to Professor Shapiro? What is the rule? It can't be free speech for me, but not for thee. That is the worst possible approach. And so that's the challenge. That's the challenge. That's what we have to consider. And I want to hear from you. I wanna hear how you vote in two ways. One, the government, what should the government do? Should the government continue its basic hands-off policy saying, oh, there are very, very, very limited exceptions, some kind of child pornography, you know, the Supreme Court ruled that if it's computer generated child pornography, it can't be banned, but if it uses real children actors, it can be banned because it's using crimes. That's a distinction. You might approve it. You might not approve it. But should the government continue its hands-off policy or should the government get into the business, as the British government may be getting into the business, of telling Netflix what it can show and what it can't show? Where do you stand on that? And where do you stand on the private sector? Where do you stand on Spotify? Where do you stand on Georgetown Law School? Where do you stand on Netflix if you may be stockholders? Um, But what if you were the CEO of the company or the general counsel of the company and and there was a stockholder meeting and the issue came up, uh, what do we do in the future? We've learned a little bit of a lesson from uh, the Jimmy Carr case, maybe from the Joe Rogan case, from the Georgetown case. What is the implication of that lesson? Do we go for Glovelet, total censorship, anything that isn't censored is approved? Or do we go with the taxicab? We don't ask questions. You want to put it on Twitter, you put it on Twitter, as long as it doesn't violate very, very, very specific criminal uh, uh, rules. What do you think? It's not an easy question. It's a very difficult question. There is no free lunch. Uh, whichever way you answer it has negatives. There's no right answer to that problem. There is a preference. My preference is for more free speech. Some people's preference may be for more control and more censorship. I want to know what your preference is, and I want you to email me and write to me and give me good reasons for your arguments, and then I'm going to read them on the air, and we'll have a virtual debate and discussion, because remember, on The Der Show, no one is censored. Nothing is too offensive. You can call me the worst things in the world. I will respond. I will not remain silent, but I will not censor. So please, write to me on the Dirt show. Listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at uh, 5.30 on the DIRS show. Uh, Tune in to the locals where I give uh, brief analyses of some of these uh, issues. Let's dialogue. That's the American way. Thank you for watching the Dear Show. I have to have a clock here.